This is Tara Strong, and you're listening to Post Party at Spago's. This is Finger Bangs. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> My name is so stupid. I introduce this bad boy and we get into it. Yep. Sounds like a bloody good idea. All right. Uh, Hello, kids, and welcome to another edition of Post Party at Spargo's, uh, the podcast where two men hurtling towards their 40s try to make of uh, a pop cultural world gone mad. Uh, I'm your host, Craig Sutton, <laughs> and joining me uh, tonight is uh, the one and only Nigel Smith. Good evening, and here I am hurtling towards middle age. Hurtling. Mm. Just um, let me crack a beer and get this party started. One sec. That's the, that's the sound of victory. It is. Nothing like the sound of a, of a cracked can. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> that, just that, that that crisp noise of a of a cracked tinny yeah. just makes makes everything better. Yeah. Um, what have you been up to on this uh, fine weekend? Um, I spent the whole day cleaning the house. Hello. All that's day. What, that's what you do when you're almost forty. I know. As soon as the wife's away, <laughs> the party begins. That's it. But you know what? Wife's out of the house. I'm going to clean this bad boy. Why? Well, um, very sexy times here. Yeah, for sure. Did you? Did you? Did you do it how I do it and just like just crank the radio so and 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 go all um, Tom Cruise and risky business? Yep. Yep. Well they played. The, they do the entire thing in a um, in a pair of tidy whities Yes. Listen to a bit of Bob Seger. Yep. Um, I took my um, eldest to his uh, karate lesson, or karate, karate, as they call it, yeah. uh, this morning, and um, something strange happened as I was um, as I was driving. I think I might have um, either I don't know, maybe slammed the car door too hard, or or something like, that, or maybe was listening to music particularly loud one day, but yeah. My front speakers in my um, in my hatchback the um, are really distorted to the fact that every song sounds like um, now I can't remember the singer's name. You know the guy that's like um, I don't know how much, but I know how I love you. Aaron Neville. That's him. Every song sounds like Aaron Neville. Like that. Like when you um, <laughs> when you when your signals dropping in and out, <laughs> just fades in and out. Yeah, and every song I just went, what the fuck happened? I'm some I'm on the Aaron Neville radio station. <laughs> That'd be good. Just a just a radio station just dedicated to all songs covered by Aaron Neville. Yeah, 
It's a long way to the top if you wanna rock and roll. Oh, oh, oh. Or if it's um, you know, some of the some of the new stuff is like up down funk. <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh it's true i i I have a confession to make that's not the first can of crack tonight either (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's a good plan (laughs) yeah the uh the wife went to work tonight and she said uh she said what are you doing and i said um i'm recording a um a podcast with with nides and i'm thinking about getting ripped while i do it Mm. just for something different yeah Mm. well it's nothing different for me (laughs) It's it's not often that I um, that I pilot um, while I've been drinking, mm. but these things happen. Um, before I get started, before we, before we get started into the nitty gritty, mm. I just want to um, throw out a shout out to um, everyone that's listening, all three of you. Please, um, there is a group of guys here in Canberra that have um, have been doing a, a podcast. And a YouTube channel, they call themselves the Modern Meltdown. Oh yes, yes. yes. And I have been contributing with a few of their podcasts, mm-hmm. and they have just uh, started are starting up their own um, uh, network, so to speak, of sort of a pop cultural uh, extravaganza. Yep, a one stop shop for all your um, pop cultural needs. And uh, they've actually got themselves a Kickstarter at the moment to raise some funds to buy servers and equipment and all that kind of hoo-ha because they're planning on taking over the world. Gee, that's full on. Yes, they are. So all all you people that are listening, jump over to um, their Facebook page. Just search for The Modern Meltdown. Oh, there's links even on our Facebook page as well, Post Party Spargos. And, um, you know, throw throw these kids a couple of bucks. Get in on the ground floor, hmm. and on their and on their um, Kickstarter, they got a whole heap of things. Like if you um, you donate like ten bucks, you get this. If you get donate twenty bucks, you get that, and all the rest of it. Yeah, you even get something out of it. And that's how the um, how the Kickstarter should be. Hmm. So yeah, that's... I did actually. Um, I had a I had a quick look at those guys today, so um, I threw them a follow and uh, yes. had a look at some of their stuff. So. Um, I'm looking forward to see what they, um, what else they bring out as well. So that's that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's good to see some um, some more local content happening. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, so um, yeah. Good so work. Um, yeah, and um, and 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 we'll be. Um, I did say to them that if I if I throw if I throw a couple of bucks their way, do I get a show on their um, network? And they were like, you can have two. And I was like, oh, my God. Two <laughs> shows. <laughs> nice one. I know. I've got to do something. I've got to do something with all this, this airspace that I get now. <laughs> start producing some quality content. Hey, this is Nurse Murderer, and you are listening to Post Party at Spago's. 
Um, speaking of local um, things, mm. I, um, the uh, folks on uh, that are listening might be aware that um, I got into a bit of a fracas uh, recently. Oh, yes. With, yes. A, um, with, a, with a Canberra-based radio um, personality. Bit of a uh, bit of an online Donnybrook. It was, it was, mm. it, it was. It ended up, it, it not. It was one of those, um, one of those Twitter um, arguments where it, one of the rare ones actually, where it didn't involve name calling. It was very civil either, on either side. Very civil, um, and it just just went down to the brass facts. Let me set the scene. I've, I've buried the lead a little, but let me set the scene. So. Sure couple of months ago now uh there was an article in new on news.com that um that was something along the lines of um radio hosts moves to canberra and finds out that canberra is the loneliest place in the world to live yeah now to those that are listening overseas and don't know anything about canberra they canberra believe it or not is the national capital of australia Oh my God! I know. I'm glad. You, I hope you're sitting down to hear this this news. That's right. The Washington people, DC to your America. That's right. Some people think uh, Sydney is the capital of Australia. Some others may think it's Melbourne. They are wrong. It is actually little old Canberra. You're wrong. You're wrong. And um, and the um, Sydney and Melbourne press. Take um apps and it was well not so actually not so much press I'll go even larger one of the best biggest things to do like a national pastime here in uh in Australia is to what's effectively known as Canberra bashing, hmm. which means anything that come because obviously Canberra is the 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 centre of government in Australia and anything else anything that goes um, wrong or pear shaped in regards to our our federal government gets blamed on the city of Canberra. You know, Canberra did this, Canberra did that. Canberra's risen taxes. Yeah. Canberra's in a budget black hole. Canberra's and, ruining your life. Yeah, yeah. They, Canberra's they, tearing your family apart. Yeah. People don't tend to separate Canberra, the city, with the things that happen at Parliament House. So this um so this um story came out on the um on a news site which is owned by News Limited, which is owned by um, Rupert Murdoch. News Limited... Good old not, Uncle Rupert. That's right. News Limited, not generally renowned for journalistic integrity <laughs> at the best of times. They yeah. they do like a sensationalised headline, a, a clickbait headline, yeah. if you will. Yep. So, yeah, so the, the headline is Radio Host Heads to the Nation Capital Only to Discover It's the Loneliest Place in Australia. And then you read the actual article in itself. Yes. And the actual article itself, to give this, to give, uh, this radio host credit, and I'm not going to, I won't name names. I'll, I'll withdraw names to, to defend the, um, hmm. the ignorant. A, uh, a, a commercial radio host. A commercial Let's radio host here in Canberra. Um, if you read the actual article itself, to her credit, 
it does say that you know I've recently moved to Canberra and I feel it quite lonely that it's been it's quite hard to make friends here. Now it does she did she does state that well there you go just gave it away that's half the population. <laughs> um, she does state that this could happen in any town. Yes. It does say that you know you could move to New York, you could move to Los Angeles, you could move to London, and it, like it's just hard to move to a big city and meet new people, mm. blah blah. And and it's more of a, and it's not so, and, and it's even more of a an essay into, um, you know, the current um, uh, head buried in a mobile phone um, environment that we currently live in. Like, is that yeah. the kind of reason why it's so hard to meet new people and all the rest of it? And then when you're scrolling through the article itself, there's pictures of Parliament House, uh, Tony Abbott sitting, looking very lonely on the back bench. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I decided to reach out to this um, young lady yep. and say to her that, look, you need to realise that you are now. I understand that you're not a local Cam- Canberra, and you you moved from um, Canberra in a state. But you've got to realise that now that you are a voice of Canberra, if you will, or a Canberra ambassador, yep. that you've got to watch what um, news or media articles that you decide to um, blog on or um, write stories on, hmm. because. Those news limited, especially like they'll give them, they give, give these blokes an inch and they'll take a mile yeah. to spin a very harmless essay about loneliness into just some good old Canberra bashing. Um, yeah, so we went on a bit of back and forth and everything else, and she kind of said that, you know, it's all about, you know, I'll read the article. I, I know it's time that I say I hate Canberra and all this. And I was like, I totally agree. I, I know that you didn't do that. However, you've 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 got to be more careful with the um with where you decide to place your articles and all the rest of it. Um, especially because that the radio station that she works for went through a particular dark period recently where they had two um. Oh, I was going to say popular and successful. That's that's a stretch. <laughs> Two um, radio uh, breakfast hosts that had been on that sh- station for probably ten years, uh, maybe more, longer than ten years. Yeah, and and became yeah. and became part of the furniture, for lack of a better word. Mm. And through for whatever reason, um, one got fired and the other guy um, resigned because of it. Yeah, and moved to another station, and they brought on two people that were. In their front, like from interstate, who were in their early twenties and completely rebranded the radio station to become more of a under twenty fives radio station. Yeah, yeah. Try to, because I think the uh, the station itself is part of a wider Australian network. It's all all stereo. All stereo. Yeah, and so they're trying to sort of fit with the norm, you know, with everyone else, because they're trying to fit in with Sydney and Melbourne, who've gone the same way, because they went the same way years ago. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So. So, um, and because these, um, the two new breakfast hosts, through no fault of their own, are the representation and personification of a particular dark period for that radio station. Yeah. And then, you know, she's on News Limited talking about how 
Canberra's got no soul and it's heartless and I, I can't find any friends here. And even though, even though, as I said before, that's not the basis for the article. It's, mm. it's I'm purely taking this from the headline because not only did I take that from the headline, but 98% of the peons that fucking um, wrote to the article went the ran the exactly same anti Canberra um, line. Mm. I went to Canberra and everything was shut at six o'clock at night. Yeah. You know, I went to Canberra and I found like all that bullshit arguments you hear about, you know, what Canberra's like. That yeah, it may have been true twenty years ago, but not now. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I went to Cam- I, I went to Canberra in nineteen seventy seven. I fucking hated it. There was nothing to do. Well, it's, <laughs> ch- it's changed a bit since then, champ. Yeah, couple of couple of new buildings. Even. Yeah, <laughs> believe we, it or not. Yeah, we've had, we've had a restaurant or two open up in the. 30 years preceding. Yep. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, so I spent the better part of a Friday morning in a back and forth um, with this um, young lady trying, trying to, um, not so much convince her, but more educated to say, hey, you're a, like it or not, you are now a, a, an ambassador and, a re- and you represent the Canberra community. You just need to be a little bit more careful of where you... Um, decide to have your um, uh, news articles, uh, what media outlets you decide to have your um, articles printed on. Hmm. And I felt good. I felt good that it was, it, it, you know, you, I had a Twitter argument with someone and didn't call anyone names and, and yeah. all the rest. Yeah, that was, um, there was nothing wrong with it. I mean, I, um, yeah, I saw the, I saw the little back and forth and, <sighs> I um I don't know whether I I mean I I I'm not much of a a fan of the um particularly that that Australian network as a whole mm-hmm. um cuz they're just renowned for um the way that they market their people to be to have little levels of controversy around them mm. to to get more ratings where they just say dumb shit and say reactionary pieces all the time yeah. and lo and behold suddenly they're a talking point mm. and this is more speculation i don't think really like her intention was to um you know spark anger or anything like that because mm. she doesn't seem like that kind of person but at the end of the day i kind of feel like there was a little bit of motivation around that piece and i think i don't <laughs> i don't feel that she would have had absolutely no hand in how that was edited and presented to the community yeah like you know you don't you you're not that level of even though this is like sort of you know what like between sort of d and b grade celebrity yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing like they still have enough creative input into the media that they're producing because they've got people over them that telling them what they need to be doing you know mm. and i can guarantee you that these guys like as part of their contract they do have to you know do like little opinion pieces and all that sort of stuff just to yeah. sort of keep the name out there and all that. Yeah, you, so, need, I mean, you need more. You need more followers on Twitter. Yeah, get, get on the radio and talk about hey, hate brown people. Hurry up. 
<laughs> that's and that's that's it. Like it's all about how how you can get your name out there, and a lot of the time it's to um, do something slightly abrasive, mm. you know, and and I think that's where this was going, you know, and I don't think on the bottom line it was to um, you know she was she was trying to be rude or anything like that, but it was it was made as a clickbait article it was designed that way so that people would read it yeah, yeah, yeah and react to it and she would know that and so i mean you were right in terms of hang on a second like you need to actually maybe smarten up mm. and have a think about how you're you're doing your pieces but at the end of the day she's probably got someone above her just going that's going into print that's what yeah, we yeah, want. Yeah. So you can kind of get why she especially probably just cut off the conversation as well. Yeah. yeah. Because to argue it would probably mean you're about to get in trouble kind of thing. And and so, I mean, that's, that's the point with these kind of um, media outlets and... And, and the radio stations and all that, they're so fucking intertwined with each other. Mm. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just a new way of marketing yourself. It's, um, you know, it's to, now it's all about making people angry yeah, yeah, to get yeah, attention. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. it's not about sort of giving someone, you know, finding out the product that people want and, and delivering it the best way and all that sort of stuff. That's not how it works anymore. It's like, let's piss off a bunch of people and get famous and then next thing you know, no one cares anymore because you're famous. Yeah. Because at one stage there, I, 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 I actually thought that like I, I hit a nerve or something because I put a, a very quick opinion piece. Um, I posted a very quick opinion piece on Facebook. Yeah. And then linked it back to my Twitter account, but didn't at her or anything like that. Yeah. And then she replied back to that tweet. Yeah. So she was... So she was like keeping an eye on my timeline. Yeah. Um, and the and that's when she said like about the whole um oh wanting to like to like contact me further about it and discuss it and everything else. Mm. Um, which I had absolutely zero interest in doing. Yeah. That's it. If it's not going in writing. <laughs> oh, all I could think of, like like all I could think of was just like yeah, ringing her up and discussing it over the phone, being recorded and not ha- me knowing about it, which I don't think is fucking legal anyway. Hmm. And then ending up on the breakfast show the next morning with a heap of edited in such a way that it makes me look like a complete fuckhead, hmm. filled with fart noises and kazoo things and fuck whatever else they do. Toilet flushes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just shit like that. I was just... I had fucking... I had zero interest in continuing it fucking from the from the um, Twitter back and forth that we were we were having. Yeah. I was and then like, you get all the fucking... The next day, it would hit social media with yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, angry, can, angry Canberra man shakes fist at local media celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... And they'd be all a, like... They'd be all like, look at this fat fuck. And they... They'll go through your Facebook page, find the worst photo of you possible. And there's a few. <laughs> yeah. They're not they're not um sort of struggling for content. Uh, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at and, all. And um 
And next thing you know, there'll be a stream of angry people, an angry mob, an angry virtual mob, as you were, would descend upon you and all the people that are desperate for online attention are going to be just going, you don't need to listen to him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. You're amazing. You're so special. Blah, blah, blah. And it's all just a big fucking circle jerk. I mean, look at this fat fuck. He's, he's ugly and his mother dresses him funny. <laughs> I bet he doesn't have any friends. Yeah, he's probably just hanging out in his, his mum's basement. And he's a keyboard warrior. This is Harbinger, and you're being audibly stimulated by Post Party at Spago's. Um, last weekend, Easter weekend. Yes. You know, tell the, uh, tell the kids at home what we got up to. Yeah. We, um. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We had a little bit of an outing, didn't we? It certainly did. We actually met met face to face. Got out of the house for a change. Yeah. Um, talked to each other via a medium other than, um, than Skype. I know, which was weird. You know, it was like, oh, I know that guy. And um, so we travelled up to Sydney, which isn't the capital of Australia. And um, and we went and watched the Eagles of Death Metal play. Uh, now, if I was someone that wasn't familiar with the band The Eagles of Death Metal, yeah, you saying that name makes me go, hang on. I've heard of that name in the press recently. Yes, yes, you would have. Yeah. Um, so the guys that were uh, playing at the at the Bataclan um, Music Hall in France when the um, when the unfortunate terrorist attacks occurred uh, late last year um, decided to instead of you know sitting around and feeling sorry for themselves and all that sort of stuff, just went, you know what, fuck it. We're still going to go ahead and we're just going to do a full-blown world tour mm. over this whole thing. Um, started off that tour again at the um, at the Bataclan um, and to a, uh, to a sold-out, packed audience and uh, put on a massive show for them and uh, set off again around the world from there. Um, and we were lucky enough to have them come down here again, which is which is awesome because they're um, they're a a real Aussie staple as well. You know, they've every tour they've done, um, they've come here. Yeah, 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 and continue to play in like smallish, um, intimate venues as well. Yeah, yeah, which was um, you know, which is which is awesome, and it's and it's you know that sort of the kind of venue that you need to see this band, you know, is, yeah, in, yeah. is in a, is in a smaller sort of place. Um, so we got to see him this time play at the Metro in Sydney. Um, have you been to the Metro before? Is that your first time there? Uh, that, yes, that was my first yeah. time. So that's like, that's a pretty old school, um, venue that's been around since fucking forever. Um, it's not, it's not my favorite venue of all the places in Sydney. Um, I'd much prefer sort of, you know, over Newtown Way, and, mm-hmm. um, seeing them at the Enmore Theatre or 
if you want to go a little bit bigger, maybe going to the uh, Horden Pavilion or um, just over at the Hi-Fi Bar, maybe. Because um, it doesn't it doesn't sound as good, I don't think, in there. But I think on this particular night, it was um, it was actually mixed really well. I thought. Yeah, I I I must admit when the um, when the uh, band that was on before them started up. Yeah. I had I was like, oh god, that sounds hot, horrific, yeah. and I just don't think that was, um, as you said, mixed terribly well. But yeah, the um, the Eagles sounded um, yeah a lot better. These guys, if you've if you've never um, heard of them before or don't know who they are or anything like that, they're they're part of like a I guess a um, a a group of. Um, musicians from the from the california um uh, palm desert is that what it's called palm desert area that have been around since you know the 80s early 90s um uh, probably started with the with the band caius mm-hmm. um, if you're ever familiar with the band caius that were kind of the um pioneers of the of the stoner rock movement that came out of there. Um, and they kind of reinvented what um, Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin and all that sort of, all those guys were doing in the 70s. Um, you know, there was a big break during the 80s, especially over on the, on the, on the West Coast where um, there was a lot of, a lot of glam metal, um, um a lot of hair metal and all that sort of stuff, you know, came out and that kind of old school rock and roll kind of died a little bit. And, and when that sort of died out and just as the grunge movement was kind of happening in the, in the Northern part of the West coast down lower, um, you had the more, the heavier, um, low, low kind of progressive stoner rock movement was happening. And so, um, people like the, the front man from Eagles of Death Metal, uh, Jesse um, Hughes, him, um, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age, uh, John Garcia, the front man of Caius, uh, Brant Bjork, who, um, who's played in both Queens of the Stone Age and Caius and also his own stuff. Um, those guys all got mixed in with, you know, bands like, um, Monster Magnet and Fu Manchu and all that sort of stuff. And they created this um, this whole new genre of music. And when the the band Caius sort of dissipated um, and eventually became uh, what's now Queens of the Stone Age, in the middle there there was a um, there was a project that Josh Homme was doing called um, the Desert Sessions. And um, they released um, about five five albums. Um, each each CD was kind of like a um, was more like more or less an EP. Mm-hmm. So it was like um, the Desert Sessions one and two was one CD. So it was kind of like you know side A side B kind of deal. They just got together and made all these mad jam sessions and just recorded them and put them out there and. The Eagles of Death Metal were actually um, one of the bands that started in the Desert Sessions uh, recordings. So they got their friend um, Jesse Hughes, who um, you know was this really fun sort of 
um, very out there character. Got him, you know, to, to play some songs and all that sort of stuff. And then it kind of, you know, there wasn't much happening after that. You know, they did their album and everything like that. And it was very quiet. And then um, in the oh, sort of early 2000s, um, Josh Homme got back together with, um, with Jesse Hughes and decided let's, let's actually make an album. And so they um, they brought out the Eagles of Death Metal, the first album, uh, Peace, Love and Death Metal, mm. um, which included a um, a guy called Tim Van Hamel, who um, who plays in a band called Millionaire. They made this this band. It was a fucking cracking album. It's one of the, I think it's probably one of your favorite albums too. It's certainly one of mine. Yes. Um, and it just sort of went from there, and and so they just created they've. They're up to um, album number four. Um, what's, oh, I can't even remember what it's called now. Zip it down. <laughs> Zip it down. That's it. Thank God you were here. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they're basically now they're they're touring on the back of um, back of that album. Every time I've seen them, every concert has been better. Yeah, yeah. and this and that show was fucking awesome and and one of the things I liked about it and you'd probably feel the same is it's they're those kind of guys that just they're like yeah we've got a new album but they're not up there saying hey go buy our new album or this is off our new album or here's some songs off our new album and all that sort of stuff they just got up there had a fucking heap of fun Mm. played some of their new stuff and but it was one of those gigs where it's just purely this is for the fans yeah, yeah. they just played and, it, they just played for like what two two and a half hours almost pretty much non-stop yeah given the fact that even Josh Homme wasn't there and Josh Homme plays drums for um on on all the albums and does some of the American tours um but never never comes with them when they go overseas or anything like that um you wouldn't even miss the guy. No. Um, and they've got a uh, another regular from the um, from a lot of the Queens of the Stone Age albums was uh, Dave Catching playing guitar. Yep. Um, who's very charismatic, very fun to watch, and, and, and looks a lot like um, one of the guys from ZZ Top. Yeah. It's like if if Santa was in a ZZ Top cover band. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. Yeah. But, um, well, this is out of victory. (laughs) I mean, they played like, um, a heap of great songs off, off the first album, off the second album, not many off the third album. Um, (laughs) the third album, Hard On, which Mm. was, probably their their least favorite they they only played um two songs off that um and that was it and they played a heap off their last album which is actually really good um if you get a chance have a listen to it because it's a very fun album and it's very back to kind of the death by sexy album Mm. which is which is more polished than the first album Mm. um so yeah i mean look this that that show was like a was a was a five out of five for me. I walked yeah, out yeah, of there yeah. just going I got my money's worth. 
I had a good dance. Had a great time. You know, there was no dickheads. It was just um, just a heap of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, um, I actually thought that um, the, um, the uh, unfortunate incident that happened in Paris would probably end them. Because mm. you, you hear of a lot of bands that go through a tragedy like that and then that's pretty much them done. Yeah. And I also thought that um, if they did decide to um, tour or bring anything out, it would it would possibly completely change their image in music because their um, music comes across as like uh, hard rock, bluegrass. Every song's got some sexual connotation to it. And like you said before, they really enjoy themselves when they play on stage and everything else. I thought maybe like, you know, if they did release something, it'd be like a like a almost like a very somber album. It's not like you know when like any um, lead singer like comes out of rehab and their first album out of rehab is just fucking nothing but rehab music. Oh yeah, Scott Whelan's a good example of that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um. So so I thought that would that would be it, and and it and it was one of those things where. I remember talking to people about it because people are like, you know, I've never heard of Eagles of Death Metal and all the rest of it. And I was like, that's so fucking depressing to me that that's going to be like their legacy of, you know, like yeah. people going, I've never heard of them post Paris, but now a, a fair chunk of the population have heard of them, but not because of their music, but because of the, because of the terrorist incident. Hmm. And I was like, "What a fucking horrible way for that band to go out on!" And I'm so glad that that's not going to be not going to define them. Yeah. And yeah, I'm also exactly. really glad that, and and I was also not only glad but also surprised that the only time they kind of brought it up at the concert was kind of that was them saying, "Oh, you know, you, you guys have probably heard that we've had a bit of a rough patch in the last couple of months." And hmm. Um, you know, seeing all you guys here dancing and smiling has you know made us all feel a lot better and everything else. Like that was pretty much it. My mom, my mum was um, hilarious leading into it when yeah. I, I said I was going to Sydney to watch the Eagles of Death Metal, and she was like, "Is that the band from that uh, from that attack in Paris?" And I went, "Yeah, mum, yeah, they, yeah, they were there." Went, oh my goodness, Craig! If anything happens, don't be brave. <laughs> you're not, you're not Batman. You don't, don't, don't be Batman. And I was like, okay. Like, Thanks. I think I think my because I know thought, from watching you, you were ready to like run to the nearest phone booth and change real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I always have my Batman uniform underneath <laughs> any clothing that I'm wearing. Um, I think my mum thought that it was because they're called the Eagles of Death Metal. Somehow, that maybe they were. It, like they were the target as opposed yeah. to any fucking band could have been playing and it wouldn't have mattered. Hmm. Well, like she it. thought they were just fun, like some fucking anti-Islamic fucking <laughs> band or something like that. Yeah. No, we were just um, we were just going to a white power rally <laughs> in the middle of Sydney. I was just like, mum, yeah. stop it. Yeah. I love that you, you, you made a link between me and Batman, but thank you. Yeah. Hey, this is Maud Garrett, and you're listening to the Post Party at Spargo's podcast. You went and saw Batman vs Superman. I did. I did. Wow. That's Tell it. us. 
That was a segue without even trying to be a segue. <laughs> um, yeah, I've never, I've never seen a movie that's divided more people. Yeah, um, I've heard, I've heard some very um, conflicting reviews. It's, oh, it's it it it's it will. All right, go look at for all the people listening at home. Go look at Rotten Tomatoes or Tomatoes, however you want to say it, right now and have a look at the score. That pretty much sums up the fucking division with this movie. Because the last time I looked, it had a critical rating of 27%. Yeah. But the audience satisfaction rating was in the se- in the high 70s. Wow. So, fucking, there you go. That's that's a that's a That's a... A visual representation of how divided the fucking audience is when it comes to this movie, and other people have have said they hate it and think it's the worst thing that's fucking happened to humanity since Hitler and all those kind of good things. It's look, um, yeah. So I saw it uh, Thursday night, the night it came out, because I wasn't letting anyone fucking ruin it for me. Because mm. I personally have been waiting for this movie since I was eight. Yeah, and. Um, I watched a whole heap of YouTube reviewers and um, reviews in the in the print media and online media and everything else like the day before or two days before the movie came out. Yeah. Completely sla- like smashing the movie and I just had this fear of like, oh my God, have they missed the mark completely? Like mm. what the fuck am I about to walk into? Then went to, um, went to Limelight down at Targanong Sat there with my popcorn and my Sprite. You know, the Warner Brothers logo comes on. Took a big, deep breath. <gasps> yeah, ho- hopefully this doesn't sting too much. Yep. And um, two and a half hours later, like the movie goes for ages, two and a half hours later, I, I kind of like let out a big sigh of relief. Like it yeah. was, it was the eight-year-old in me that used to play with like the Batman and Superman super friends toys and would, you know, dream of, of, of one day seeing a movie or, or, or something where these two characters were in it together com- was completely satisfied, completely yeah. satisfied. Awesome. Um, it did everything. It, it, for me, it did everything it, it had to do. It had it like it introduced Batman into this Superman universe they set up with Man of Steel. Yep. Um, and they um, set up the rest of the larger um, DC universe. Because obviously they're going to make a shitload more of these like they do with the Marvel movies. Hmm. Um, and they didn't like completely, um, you know, butcher the characters. Everyone was pretty true to form. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, there was stuff in that movie that was like, you'd have to be a pretty um, hardcore DC reader to get. And I love that. Like this movie was like made by, like directed by a comic book fan, written by a comic book fan for comic book fans. Yeah. It's kind of like, hey, if you want a mainstream comic book movie where someone punches someone else in the face and says something witty, there's a whole heap of Marvel movies for you. You go right ahead and watch them. But if you watch like a dark, serious, somber movie that's 
full of um, really specific DC Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, this movie, this movie's for you. Um, I'll tell you right now, if you're like, a, if you're walking into this movie thinking you're gonna see the Avengers, you're gonna fucking hate it. Yeah. This movie has no comedy whatsoever. It is very dark. It is very um, uh, somber, jaded. Uh, the char- like the Batman in this is um, an older Batman than what we've seen. This, the Bruce Wayne character, like Batfleck, is a lot older, more jaded, just doesn't care anymore. It's like, fuck it, I've been Batman for 30 years, hasn't done anything mm. uh, kind of thing. Um yeah, I like it, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I think Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor is a complete miscast. Yeah, complete miscast. You uh, can see that from the trailers. He doesn't like. He, I don't, he like doesn't he's, know. he's just he's doing that. He's he's trying to pull a fucking. Um, he's trying to do like a Gary Oldman or a John Malkovich of just doing this when they when they say. Okay, Jesse, we just needed about a seven, but you're doing a twelve. Yeah, it's it is just a lot. Calm is, the fuck down. It is a lot like that. There's times in the movie where he's like channeling Jim Carrey's Riddler from Batman Forever, <laughs> and then he starts doing like Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, like with all those little ticks and mannerisms and everything like that. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like he's he's a complete and utter miscast. Um, uh, so like the 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 um the um reasoning for Superman and Batman to come together and have a fight, yep. is pretty piss weak at best, and they kind of and they do also resolve it fairly quickly. Mm. Like to call this movie Batman v Superman is a misdirect. They can't, they probably should have stuck with um just the Dawn of Justice title. That's yep. probably a little bit closer. But I could I could. I totally see why they called it Batman v Superman. It, it would have been a pure marketing decision. Oh, absolutely. It would have been like, no one fucking cares about a Dawn of Justice, but I could go to the fucking darkest depths of Africa, show them a Batman symbol and a Superman symbol, and they'll fucking know what I'm talking about. Because hmm. they're arguably the two biggest characters in comics. Like, I don't fucking... You, you, can say, you can say, oh, but Iron Man this, and Thor this, and Captain America that. Look... Prior to those movies, no one fucking knew who Iron Man was. Yeah. Like, fair enough, yes, now it's like the biggest grossing franchise movie and Robert Downey Jr. is this and all the rest of it. But prior to that first Iron Man movie, for, fucking forget it. No one knew what that was. Yeah. And no, the, that's, that's, that's a fair call. And the reason why Marvel started making those movies on their own, like a Thor and a Captain America and Iron Man, is because no other studio wanted them. Yeah. All the studios were like, oh, we have the X-Men and Spider-Man. Thanks. We don't want a guy that puts on a fucking metal suit and flies around. Oh, sorry. A billionaire that puts on a metal suit and flies around. Sounds too much like Batman for us, thanks. Um, but yeah. arguably the two... the two. Um, I'll go you one further. The three biggest fucking names in, in comics is Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And this this movie had all three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's certainly not um, it's not your um, it's not your granddad's um, comic book movie, that's for sure. It's it does have a, but I can see where a lot of people have got problems with um, uh, the narrative of the movie. It it does feel like it's like four movies squished into one. Oh, okay. And the editing's all, like the editing is all all over the shop. Um, and I they, heard the. Um... 
I was listening today to the um to the review on Triple J. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was pretty harsh, actually. Like, he gave it a two out of five. Yeah. Um, but even like I I haven't read Dawn of Justice, so I don't I don't really know anything about it apart from what you've told me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Previously, so I kind of have an idea just based on what um, info you've given me, but when I was listening to that review, I kind of felt like, I don't know if you actually know what, what the context of this is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And which kind of shit me a little bit. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, you're a, you're a, you're kind of a, a, a youth fucking <laughs> movie reviewer. Like yeah. I kind of feel like you should really know a bit more about the product prior to what's been made like you need to know a bit more about the print product before you um can really judge the the film product and that and i think that kind of translates over to what you were saying before about the the rotten tomatoes thing with yeah um the the differences in reviews like are we seeing a shit canning um review wise because the movie's trying to be a bit more um, or, or you know, at least trying to be a bit more truer to the comic, um, it's, or, or it, to the graphic. Is it a graphic novel or a comic? Well, it's there's a it it it's based heavily on um, the um, the um, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns um, comic book, where an older sixty year old Bruce Wayne comes out comes out of retirement and becomes Batman. Yeah, again. Um, like that, the the we've seen it from the trailers where Batman's kind of wearing a suit of armor to fight Superman. Oh, okay. That's straight out of Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Uh, there's certain lines of dialogue that are straight out of um, Dark Knight Returns, but it's sort of a they've kind of taken some um, some bits and pieces from a few different comic book storylines. There's a lot of um, Crisis on Infinite Earths in there. Um, yeah, so th- th- it's not so much based on. A particular storyline it's a bit of a mishmash of, of a few different ones yeah sure but okay it's it's more of the fact of but it's uh, being truer to that to that kind of universe you know the was was zach knight zach, zach snyder kind of um putting himself in that um in the writer's universe as opposed to um you know being in this um in the current sort of Marvel age where it's very sort of, it's, it's so much of a, a, a fun, witty one-liner kind of light show. Yeah. He's what, they, know, what they've like, is those, it kind of watchmen style? That's That is exactly where, where, where I was heading towards this movie. You can make some, a lot of parallels between with the watchmen. Hmm. Very much so. Like the watchmen very is, is a is a, is a is a very not your typical comic book movie, and it's about you know what would the world be like if these cape if the, those co- these costume heroes existed in real life. Yep. Like for example, um, Alan Moore, the guy that wrote The Watchmen, has been was very um, uh, cognizant about like their his characters uh, representations of classic like Doctor Manhattan is Superman. 
um, Night Owl and Rorschach are like is, is Batman pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like if if the character if Batman was in real life, he'd be a flat out social social pal. He mm-hmm. wouldn't be like a like a nice fucking guy. Um, those Marvel movies they're very accessible to a mainstream audience because they're light and funny and and. You know, they're, they're popcorn cinema kind of thing. Yeah, yes. they're like, don't get me wrong, they're awesome. This is in no way am I doing a fucking Marvel versus fucking DC kind of thing. Yeah, Those yeah. movies, they're very accessible to a mainstream audience because they're light and they're fun and there's, you know, witty one liners and, and it's easy, very accessible for a mainstream audience to go to. This is, um, this is way more adult than any Marvel movie you've seen. Like Batman, Batman in this is is um, like if you thought Christian Bale's portrayal of Batman was was um, dark and moody, you haven't seen anything until you see Ben Affleck. Mm. Um, the fact that they didn't set up origin movies before um, this, the, like yeah, so Marvel set up all the origin movies and then they all came together as the Avengers. Yes. Where this movie, they're doing like the Avengers in inverted comma, comments, a uh, comma, and then they're doing all the origin stories afterwards. Yeah, and then people are like, oh, I don't know who any of these characters are, and my counter argument was like, do we really need another fucking Batman origin story? Like, yeah, it's been done. It's like Spider Man. It's the same yeah. thing. Like, are we at a how point many times do you need to see? It? Knows that the Waynes were killed in a fucking alley and. Yeah. You know, and Batman, like, you know, Bruce Wayne saw his parents get killed and, you know, put on a cape so no one else would have uh, that happen to him. Like, I think we've told that story a, f- a few fucking hundred times now. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to, like, spoil p- specifics of the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. But, uh, yeah, just let, just just watch it and just, like, and and give it, and, like, just give it, give the film a chance. Like, just watch the movie for what it is. It's a comic book movie. It's not meant to be the fucking Godfather or fucking the deer hunter or something like that like it's never supposed to be win oscars and all the rest of it it's just it's a it's a you know a 200 million dollar summer blockbuster well yeah just I mean, you, can, you can look at some you could look at something like the force awakens and it's the same kind of thing well the, I, know, read where... an interesting, I read an interesting article the other day about that about the force awakens and uh, and the critical reaction in regards to um Batman v Superman and some of the audience reaction and the article was making parallels about were people um, critiquing this movie before it came out and almost like people were like I hate this movie because um, they're trying to copy Marvel I hate the casting of Ben Affleck this movie's fucked before the movie's even started and because the movie like, like I said before the movie's not fucking great but it's not as bad as what everyone's making out. Yeah. And because, so, because people have already gone in with the attitude of like, I fucking hate this and everything it stands for, they're going to slam, they're going to be extra critical on it and slam it even harder. Where fucking JJ Abrams can tweet the photo of the chessboard of the Millennium Falcon and the internet loses his fucking mind. <laughs> this guy's a fucking genius. He's bringing back the Millennium Falcon. Oh my God, this movie's going to be the best thing ever. And then they go watch Force Awakens. And I like Force Awakens. Don't get me wrong. It was, a, it like, it was an enjoyable movie. I mean, Star Wars. It's hard to fuck up Star Wars. Mm. But when you think about it, it's really just a remake of the first one. Oh, shit, yeah. I mean, and all that was was really the best Star Wars movie we've seen since Return of the Jedi. 
a hundred percent true. <laughs> that's all it was. Hundred percent true. It was, um... and I think that's what it is. I think every like a lot of the audience went in with fuck all expectation because we were like, well, the bench <laughs> is marked quite low. Yeah. Hi, sweetie. This is Tara Strong, and you're listening to Post Party at Spargo's. Critiquing and uh, uh, slamming mu- movies before they even come out, it is going to be really interesting to see what this female Ghostbuster movie goes like. Yeah, because people are after this movie fucking massively. Oh, people are every, everyone's out for blood. Yeah, this. and and like me personally, I I like the actresses. I just wish they gave them something original to do as opposed to Ghostbusters. Yeah, my problem is not the fact that it's with a female car. I don't give a fuck if they're girls. I couldn't give a shit. They could fucking do it with like talking animals and I couldn't give a fuck. It's just the fact that it's Ghostbusters. Yeah. Give them something else. Like have that same cast in a completely separate movie yeah, and I'll fork over money to see it. But yeah. it could be an all bat. It could be Channing Tatum. I'm just trying to think who's, who's fucking, who, who are the in guys at the moment? Zac Efron, Channing Tatum, Justin Bieber, and fucking someone else in Id- the ghost- Idris Alba. Idris Alba. There you yeah. go. Because we need Winston Zedmore. <laughs> Idris Alba. Yeah. You know, remake the but- Ghostbusters, and I'd be like, "That's fucked." Hmm. That is, this movie is going to be terrible, and not because it's fucking the cast. Forget the cast. It's just the fact that they're remaking Ghostbusters. So I'm. I'll be really interested to see what the fu- how this how this movie goes. So I reckon it's going to go one. It's going to go one way. Critics aren't going to fucking go after it because if they go after it, people are going to automatically going to assume they're being sexist. Yeah. It's it's going to be interesting, and, I, and I'd like to see the parallels because this is pretty much Bridesmaids, but Ghostbusters, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much the same, same same director and essentially the same cast. Yeah, it's it's that sort of uh, group, you know, that, mm. that, that movie-making group. Um. So it's going to be interesting to see what the um, when the critics' reviews come out, uh, mm. what the parallels they're going to make are. Yeah, and because they're going to get uh, they're going to get put in the bridesmaids box. And mm. It's going to be like the, the the first article is going to be bridesmaids slash Ghostbusters. You know, um, because how can they not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that because that movie kind of. Um, you know, I mean, those 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 ladies have been around for a long time in a lot of movies, and probably not all together. Um, yeah. But they've they've had pop ups in a whole heap of stuff. So they're very, um, yeah, uh, not so much Kristen Wiig, but um, Melissa McCarthy. But the other two, um, they're all like Saturday Night Live regulars mm, and have been for a couple of years now. One thing I wanted to um, cover off, though. With the um, just going back to the to uh, Batman v Superman was how was in your opinion was Batfleck? Batfleck was Batfleck was bat awesome. Yeah, for the amount of there's there is a lot of people, and I'm not one of them because I never fucking I I I have it recorded me not fucking rubbish in that <laughs> casting decision. Yes, there's a lot of people eating crow. In regards to that, in regards to the news about him being being cast, yeah. and I'm and I'm talking in particular about 
two former female co-hosts <laughs> in particular. Yeah. Because um, he's him, he, uh, him and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman are the two best things about this movie. Mm. Um, he's easily the closest Batman that I've seen to the comics. Yeah. Um, just the way he moves um, and the way that he... Um, uh, yeah, fights with people and everything else. And even his look, like his Batman looks like he's wearing tights. Yeah. And I'm sure they're not. I'm sure like someone will go, oh, it's a space age polymer that's, um looks like, t- well, they to me, they look like tights. So fucking, they're yeah. tights. Um, yeah, like I said before, he's like a lot older, grumpier, doesn't give a fuck. Bruce Wayne slash Batman to the point that um, he's got absolutely no qualms with um, indirectly um, killing people. Yeah. Which in Batman law is a big no-no and I know a lot of people are, are shitty about it. Yeah, but yeah. I'm more of the... Look, when I saw it in the cinemas, I was like, oh, okay, this fucking Batman kills people. All right, whatever. That was literally my reaction. I, 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 didn't, I didn't give a shit. And, and the reason why I didn't give a shit was because, A, him killing people, it, it's kind of more an indirect, like, for example... Collateral damage kind of Yeah, like, for thing, example, yeah. this henchman runs towards him with a gun, shooting, Batman fires his grappling hook, and, pu- and the grappling hook hits the gun, and Batman turns the guy's gun and shoots the the the, the other henchman heading the, in the other direction. Yeah. Um, there's another time when, like, um, you know, there's a guy with, like, a one of those massive machine guns on the back of a ute, and Batman shoots the ute, and obviously the guy dies on top of it. Yeah. Well, if you weren't in the ute, you wouldn't have happened. And that, you wouldn't have gotten killed. But it's, you know, people are like, oh, you know, Batman doesn't kill people. And I'm like, well, you guys got short memories because in that fucking Tim Burton, Bruce uh, Batman movie, he kills the two of them. He kills a lot of fucking people in those movies. He does. Um, He's even like shooting, like firing missiles and shooting machine guns at the Joker in the Bat plane. Fair enough, he misses every time, but still. Mm. So, look, he's, yeah, I... I I, I, he was awesome. He was, and, I, and you know what? Not only I, I knew he would be. They wouldn't have cast him in that movie. There would have been so much fucking writing on that movie. Yeah. He he. Not only would he have like the the director would have gone. This is who I want um, as my Batman. Executives at Warner Brothers would have fucking read over it. All the guys that are um, the guys that have uh, kind of. Um, pulling the strings in the background to set up this big shared DC universe, they would have approved it. Like, it's not something that he would have gone, oh, like, hey, Batfleck, he was awesome in Daredevil, wasn't he? Like, that kind of decision <laughs> would have been made by a committee. Yeah. And off the and and, and off the strength of um, his performance, like, Warner's has pretty much given him three Batman sequels that he can write and direct himself. Shit. And I'm looking forward to a Batman movie written and directed by Ben Affleck. Because fuck, look at Argo. Well, or the town. That's and that's sort of what I was gonna say was, you know, I um, I wasn't in any way 
um, upset by the by the announcement of Ben Affleck because I like Ben Affleck. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't um, for various reasons, and but I I actually like what the guy's done in his in his later career. It's like people watch that. It's like people like watch the shit that he, he had coming out when he was with um, uh, Jennifer Lopez. And oh, then just never yeah. went back to him. They're like, oh, that's that dude that went out with Jennifer Lopez. But, like, if you watch The Town, if you watch Argo, like, Gone Girl, like, those movies, like, like the dude's fucking quality. Mm. When it was announced and the fucking internet went in a meltdown, I just went, let's just fucking just, just wait until we see some footage. Yeah. If we if, see some if footage. They, if they said Matt Damon's going to be Batman, I would have kind of gone, well, hang on. <laughs> it's an interesting choice well maybe not <laughs> um, that might not be right I, I I, every time they do these casting things I always just go alright well, let's just wait and see let's just see because I've been I've been burnt twice when it comes to casting hmm. I've been burnt with Heath Ledger's Joker and I got burnt with fucking um, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man yeah and ever since then I've just gone okay we'll just just wait until we see some footage and then I'll pass judgment so, uh, so then, um, following this, how do you see the um, the reception of Jared Leto's Joker in the upcoming Suicide Squad? Given I think, what's what we've just had, Batman versus yeah, yeah, Man, yeah, so yeah. everyone's got Batman in their mind. Yeah, yeah. How is this new movie, which I assume is a different kind of not a different universe, but a different sort of um, timeline. Is that right? Like... I don't. I don't. I don't quite know how the chronology of it's going to work. Because Affleck's in in um, Suicide Squad playing Batman. Um, I don't know at what point of his career he'll be. Um, he will be in it because there's even shots of the trailer of him. Um, uh, the Joker and Harley like riding like the Joker mobile or something like that, and Batman's like on top of the car, like hanging on for dear life. Oh, okay, so this is actually the same time. Is yeah, that yeah. Right? So all they well, I didn't I realize don't, that it could be set like ten years before Superman vs Batman. Who knows? Okay. All these, yeah, all the movies that come out now, uh, all the DC movies that are coming going to come out now are all part of the same shared universe. Like all the Marvel movies are all interconnected now. Yep. So, um, Jared Leto's Joker does get touched on twice in Batman v Superman. Yep. Just reference. So, there's a scene, and see the trailers, I'm not fucking giving anything away. Mm. There's a scene where um, Bruce Wayne's walking through the Batcave. There's a, a bronzed Robin statue behind a display case. Yep. And it's been spray painted, um, someone spray painted it in yellow spray paint. Ha ha, the joke's on you now, Batman. Right, and, it's okay. quite, and that's a bit of a um, Easter egg to um, a comic book storyline called "The Death of the Family," where the Joker kills the second Robin. Right, uh, a, a Robin by the name of Jason Todd mm-hmm. kills him with a beats him to death with a crowbar. Shit, and um, yeah, <laughs> it gets, yeah. Some some books get a bit dark. It's a bit violent. And, yeah, and that and that from and in the um, Dark Knight Returns book. That's what makes um, Bruce Wayne give up the the, the, the the cow, so to speak. Having okay. Jason Todd getting killed is what, in that um, book, is what 
is kind of the the uh, the thing that makes Bruce Wayne go. Oh, I don't want to do this anymore. People are getting yeah. like people I I love are getting killed. I'm fucking I'm done. Hmm. Um and yeah, so there's that, and then um at there's a party. There's a scene in a, at a party at Lex Luthor's house, like a benefit party or something like that, where um Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne meet each other for the first time. And uh, the Batman has just been has recently been spotted back in Gotham City, mm-hmm. and uh, and oh and the, and, oh, and the way that they've set up Metropolis and Gotham City in this universe is kind of like a New Jersey New York type relationship. Yeah. Okay. So they're right across like a bay, the bay from each other. Right. Yeah. Um, which so it's is like fair. New York and Brooklyn. That yeah, kind of. Which is like. Yeah. Metropolis is like this mecca, and Gotham seems more working class kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. like so, Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne meet each other for the first time, and um, you know uh, Clark Kent says to Bat, uh, says to Bruce Wayne, or you know, what do you think about the Batman phenomenon that's in your city? And um, you, you know, like he's a criminal and he's a vigilante and this and that, and and Bruce Wayne's like, well, what about? Uh, Superman. Every time Superman saves a kitten out of a tree, you guys at the um, the Daily Planet write a little puff piece about him. Yeah. Um, and then he says something like, "Oh, maybe it's the Gotham City in me coming out, but uh, us 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 people in Gotham City have had really bad experiences with clowns dressed in makeup." Mm, okay. So he gets yeah, he gets um. So the joke gets touched on a couple of times, but um. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Jared, Jared Leto, like I, look, same. Jared Leto, Jared Leto is gonna play the Joker. I was like, okay, fair enough. Mm. And then when I saw the first photo of him, like with all the tattoos and crazy fucking look in his eye and and metal teeth and all the kind of, and the rest of it, my very first initial snap reaction was, uh, I I don't like the tattoos because I like the the um. The Joker I know would probably shoot someone that came near him with a needle, mm-hmm. and just wouldn't have the patience to sit in a fucking tattoo chair for that long. Yep, without fucking cracking it. But what unless he did him himself, unless he did it to himself, that's true. Mm. Um, but whatever, yeah. Wait till I wait, wait till I see a bit of footage. Well, you know, I think it's. I sort of look at it on the outside as kind of. Maybe that's a good move to do it that way to to really remove him from everyone's mindset who who are in in my shoes of what the Joker should be. Oh yeah, they yeah, and, no, you're right. They clearly have to stand up on their own two feet and go, no, this isn't Heath Ledger's Joker. This is yeah, our own Joker, and 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 and, and, and that's Which exactly what they need to do. Like. You know, I think they do need to just maybe just bend the rules a little bit just to really go over the boundary of what um, people's expectations are. Mm. This is Dave Detell, and you're listening to Post Party at Spago's. Um, I, uh, finished up the, uh, second season of Daredevil recently. Oh, yeah. On Netflix. The old yes. Netflix. Um, 
it was um I kind of I like the first season better. Mm. Um, but there, there's certain things in the in the second season I like better. But I think overall, I like the I like the first season better. Okay. The introduction of the Punisher was really really good. Was it uh, John Berenthal from? The it was. Dead? Yeah. It was, and he was really really cool. Mm. His um his um representation of the Punisher was totally fucking different to anything I've ever seen before. Yep. Um, to the point that they even gave him um. I wouldn't say humanized him, but gave him a. Um... Oh no! There's like there was a, there's a scene, for example, where she almost he almost gives like love advice to Karen Page, mm. and, I, and it kind of made me shift in my chair uncomfortably, going, "Oh, don't! What are you doing? Don't fucking humanize him." Um, he's, he's meant to be very, um, just. He's just got he's got a sh- one a shell of a man. Kind he's got of one thing. switch. It's just revenge. Yeah, he's he's Charles Bronson in Death Wish. He doesn't fucking have anything else except going down to fucking Emmett's fix it shop to fix Emmett. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and for the mo- uh, and, and it, it was it's really like it's really weird. Like he's he's in he's in he's like the main protagonist of Daredevil in like the first three episodes. Yeah. And then he's kind of in the in the background for the, for the rest of the series, uh, and just pops up in and out. And it and it's, I don't know. When he's in it, he's awesome. But when he's not in it, you really miss him. Okay, so maybe there was a bit too much, too uh, soon. Almost to, the, almost to their own, almost to their own detriment. It's almost like maybe they should have had him in more. Yeah, but I'm also not a f- big because I know that Netflix was so impressed with um, uh, his performance of uh, Frank Castle. They were like, oh, this dude needs his own fucking series. Oh, okay. I'm personally a big fan of that because the Punisher works a lot a lot better when he's... It's like it's like for, it's like for the reason why a, a solo Hulk movie has, hasn't worked the two times they've tried it. Because hmm. the Hulk works when he's like this force of nature that comes in and just sweeps the fucking movie or whatever... He has a role in a yeah, team. Yeah, he just says Hulk smash and then fucking boom and then that's it. Yeah. And then they move on to something else. That's kind of Frank Castle. Yeah, okay. And um, and him, yeah, so him just being this wild cat. So every, the the, 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 the books and stories that I, that I love that Frank Castle's popped up into in the, the mainstream Marvel universe, he's kind of this wild card don't know which way he's going to go. You know, he's, um, he doesn't have, like his code is I kill criminals. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. And, um, yeah, there were, there were certain times in the, um, in the TV show where not that they tried to give him a backstory, but they tried to humanize him a little bit. And I, I, I wasn't terribly comfortable with it. Mm. Um, but look, it was, um, I, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the show the um the character of Electra, which was introduced halfway through the season um wasn't oh, yeah. wasn't that good it could have been done a little bit better because there's um uh there's Electra is so the way they set it up is Electra's um Matt Murdock's college girlfriend mm-hmm. and um she's got uh, the 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 hooks in Matt that 
that kind of make him do things that normally he should he wouldn't do for anyone else kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like is she's like a fem, fem patel type thing, and this the the I want to spoil it, but the motivations that she has and 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 makes Matt go, oh my god, I've got to help Electra with everything. I didn't I, I didn't get. I was just like, just tell this bitch to fuck off, man. <laughs> well, um, it wasn't like something like you know, oh, I have to help her because she's got video evidence of me fucking a goat or something like. It was just like she'd appear on the scene. It was like, well, of course I have to help Electra because I'm Daredevil and she's Electra, and that's how it's written. It was still pretty like it was good, like you know, good adult fucking comic book TV show. Um, and, and I think Netflix has got a Luke Cage TV show coming out at the end of this year. And then next year, I think they've got the second season of Jessica Jones Hmm. and I think Iron Fist after that. So, um, yeah, fuck it. I just hope Netflix keeps going with them. I'll be interested to see the the second season of Jessica Jones because the main antagonist from that first season of Jessica Jones was arguably like the best villain we've seen in any comic book fucking movie or TV show ever. Mm. I um I quite like that show. Jessica Jones. Yeah, I've got to I've got to revisit it again. I kind of um sort of stopped halfway through. I've got to jump back on and 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 finish it off. Yeah. But, um, but I've been sort of watching a few other things of late um the the one sort of big tv show at the moment is the walking dead oh that's um, still on is that still on which you're such a big fan of i know um but in oh it's the season finale i'll watch the finale in the spirit in the spirit of post-party spargos we have to be um we have to care about all tv shows fuck that i never i never agreed to that <laughs> I've, you know, we've had we've had awesome discussions about The Walking Dead um, between the two of us over the over the last couple of years, and in in a, in a lot of respects, like I I actually agree with a lot of um, of of what you've criticised about about the TV show, mm. um, but I I probably see it. I've I've kind of let it just be. Um, I've let it be. Yep. Let's put it that way. Speaking um, words of wisdom, let it be. <laughs> I I agree with you in that this show needs to be cut down by at least six episodes down to a ten ten episode season. Um the unfortunate thing with The Walking Dead is it does sit in AMC basic cable. So they kind of do the half free to wear, half pay TV thing where they um, they do make enough money via subscription to keep it going, but they kind of need to make it ad supported to keep it keep it going. If you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it does fall into that unfortunate category of being such a fucking rad show that is left to the semi-commercial devices which kind of 
they do there is a lot about this show that does shit me because like you say you can you can watch two or three episodes in a season um or even in a row i should say and be like what are we doing here (laughs) i know it's the walking dead but let's just stop walking for a second and fucking do something like it 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 is frustrating as a as a flip side of the coin it is one of those shows that does that has actually made a a really good transition from um and does switch between being action horror drama yeah yeah and they actually do a really good job of it so I kind of and 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 I and I don't like to be one of those sort of fence sitters on 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 the thing because I, you know, I'd, I'd like to have a bit more argy bargy with you on it, <laughs> but um, I do, I do sort of get sucked into the whole to the whole storyline, and I've and I've actually quite enjoyed the drama side of it, probably now more than than the real action part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. And I guess that comes from just sitting down and just watching it from start to finish every single time. Um, this season, season six in particular, is far better than the last season, without a doubt. Um, season five was ridiculous. Um, they could have easily have drawn out the, um, the, the cannibals, um, they could have drawn that out for a, a, well into the entire first um, half of that season and made it some really good, gritty TV. And except they chose to make a big bang season finale of season four, a big opening season, and then it just fizzled out. In, and, it, and, it, and it kind of upset me a bit that they just made it so easy that they got out of it Mm. in that first episode and then after that it was like oh we'll just walk around for a bit until we find somewhere else (laughs) you know it was like well you probably could have actually drawn that out and actually had a really good fight you know with with some of these characters and and um you know and really made it tense but they chose not to which was really frustrating this um, this season, you know, went out and carried on quite well from the second half of season four, last season five, and but at the but there's been not as many episodes that are you know kind of drawn out and but whatever. But I will say that they still could have cut it down to ten episodes, and it would have been. Um, it would have actually been a perfect season. Yeah. Um, so we're on the season finale is tomorrow night. So it'll be interesting to see who, because <laughs> this is the other fucking frustrating thing is they've um, they've way overdone the whole Negan thing. Um, they are meant to be bringing in um, Jeffrey Dean Morgan from uh, Watchmen. Yeah, um, I heard like I, dad. I didn't realize that, but like, just going very quickly back to Batman v Superman. There's a in the opening um, credits, mm. they um, do a very quick flashback of 
Thomas and Martha Wayne getting killed. Yep. Um, Thomas Wayne being played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Oh, really? Yep. Martha Wayne being played by the actress that plays Maggie. Well, it'll um, it'll be interesting to see who they who they decide to kill off. Um, oh, if you fuck it. seriously, yeah, this is this is what it's going to come down to, and and this is the unfortunate thing with The Walking Dead is they now have to make it about who dies. Just that's what I fucking hate about that fucking TV show. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I mean, Game of Thrones does that a bit. But Game of Thrones set their precedent in massive novels well before the fucking show was even yeah. made. But also so, Game of Thrones will do it in like the 10th episode of a 13-episode run. So you're yeah. like, holy shit, if that happened in the middle of the fucking season, what's going to happen at the end of the season? Yeah. I mean, they, they won't care. No. They've already killed off one semi-main character. Um, they killed off uh, Denise, who was the... Um, the I guess the town doctor, um, and she was she was always going to die. Like, and they and, and that the episode that she died in, like that, was a fucking shitty episode because it they couldn't have spoiled it any more themselves that she was going to die. Um. In that they made it all like the season, the episode beforehand, they made it very about her, and then the whole start of it was all about her. And it's kind of like, okay, so here's the formula: let's make it all about someone, and then at the end they'll die. So you feel heartbroken about them, mm. and that shit me. It's like it, it's, it was like it, if you're going to yeah. kill someone, just kill them. It's <laughs> like it's like the like the two episode like there's an episode like it like Game of Thrones. The episode right before the Red Wedding is all about Rob Stark for no fucking reason whatsoever. Yeah. And I remember at the time going, wow, we're fucking focusing a lot on this guy. Yeah. And then next episode you go, ah, okay, that's, that's, that'd be the reason why. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be um, interesting to see. Now, at the moment, um, a few of our favorite characters have been captured. Um, by this, who were the, the this this group called the Saviors, who were led by um, Negan, the um, who's now going to be next season's main protagonist. Um, at the end, there was a gunshot with a bit of bit of blood splatter on the screen, which I fucking can't stand. As soon as you start putting, and they, they've do, they've started doing it this season. They've started doing like someone gets shot, so they kind of break the fourth wall a little bit and do that blood splatter on the screen. And you just go, come on, <laughs> keep it in the realm that you're in. We don't need it thrust upon us. Yeah, you know, it's like a, it's like waving a big fucking dick in your face. I get it, like. You've you 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 your TV show is a big fucking hard on, but I don't need it right in front of me. Yep. You know, and so the the gunshot is apparently at um, at everyone's favourite character, Daryl. Oh. So they won't kill him off just yet. I if they do, I will be fucking that. That'll be like 
blown away kind of thing. Mm. But they don't have a character strong enough at the moment to take his place. Yeah, yeah. So if they if they lose him, they'll lose ratings. I think that's where they're going. <sighs> Sorry, but that's if if I'm wrong, fine. I'm happy to wear that, but I don't think that they will kill someone on a business. That they, they they will base killing people on business decisions, uh, not on what they should. Do. But at the end of the day, Daryl isn't a original character from the stories. So no, he's, he's an original for the TV show. That's right. So they can do whatever the fuck they want with him, and he will always be Rick's right hand man kind of thing. So all, go, all, all I all I'm going to say on the subject is jump onto YouTube, go look at uh, Honest Trailers, Walking Dead seasons four to six. Mm. This is Bradery, and you're listening to Post Party at Spago's. Uh, thanks, kids, for joining us for another episode of Post Party at Spargo's. Sorry, I know it's been a while between drinks, but, you know, sometimes life just gets in the way of all this awesomeness. But um, Nigel and I will try to make these a little more frequent uh, as well. Just And also so we don't we don't dump everything on you as well because we, have, we haven't. We haven't caught up in, with each other in, in quite a, a while. It's been such an action-packed episode. Mm, exactly. So but, much to digest. But anyway, uh, please check us out on Facebook, Post Party at Spargo's, and on Twitter, at Party at Spargo's. And um, yeah, so I'll see you next time. Actually, just before we go, make sure oh. that you, um, you check us out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, that's right. Um, so just um, just do a search for Post Party at Spargo's and you'll find the uh, the SoundCloud show and you'll also see us on uh, iTunes and Stitcher as well. Excellent. Excellent. Um, all right. Uh, see you next time, kids. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>